How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a summer episode of the Thanks Bud podcast. As usual, or since the last time we left you, I should say, I am still Chanel Berlin. And I'm still Diane Van. Here we are. Diane, how has your summer been so far? My summer has been great. Uh, let the record show we're co- recording this the weekend of 4th of July, so yes. there's been a lot of drinking, <laughs> a lot of sunbathing, so my weekend has been swell. My summer has been swell. What about you, Chanel? Um, really good. I still enjoy realizing over and over again that the Los Angeles Kings won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, this is still yet to get old. Uh, Chanel and I talk about this all the time, how every once in a while we'll remember, hey... The Kings won the cup. Yeah. Remember that whole playoffs and thing? It was and great. we were like super excited about it and uh yeah. It just comes back in a flash every once in a while. I think it's still good. And I mean people have talked about it a little bit here and there already, but it's still one of those things where I think especially for Kings fans, because they went down three nothing in the first round, like you have this thing where it was like, All right, we're just gonna keep watching them to see what happens and everything sort of felt like extra hockey and then suddenly it was game five and they'd won the Stanley Cup and it's like, <laughs> Oh, oh right, they win something at the end of this. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Will that ever get old that their that their season their postseason could have ended? So early. So long ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, in the lowest amount of games possible, mm-hmm. it could have ended, and instead they went on to win the Stanley Cup. I found myself... How cool. Yeah. Amazing. I found myself having a moment talking to another friend of mine where I was like, oh, I think maybe Diane and I should record a summer episode soon. It feels like things are going by so fast. And the reason is because they played until the middle of June. <laughs> So, yeah, things would feel like they're going by pretty fast. Yeah, I was like, all of a sudden, it's free agency uh, already. <laughs> I'm like, why did it come so quickly? Like, yeah. didn't we just have... Oh, we just had the playoffs. Right. <laughs> oh, the Kings played until the end. And they won the Oh, Santa yeah, Cup. I was getting drunk and celebrating the fact that they won the yes. Cup. Cool. So, that's what happened. So, we're still enjoying that. Uh, but things have... Uh, moves have been made. They, like you just mentioned, free agency happened. So, we're going to talk a little bit about the Kings who are now no longer Kings and the Kings who are re-signed. And we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite moves and choices that they made at the draft and then also we're going to talk a little bit about what other teams have done and what we're looking forward to things yeah crazy other teams have done insane things (sighs) it's nice actually being able to watch something like free agency but just enjoy it because the team that i root for the most has not made any crazy moves (laughs) that's That's always exciting so i can just enjoy the madness without stressing out about it and the first non-crazy move that they made was exactly what we all thought would happen, which mm-hmm. is ink a deal with Marion Gabrick. Yeah! So uh, all of our lemonade stand, right. like, <laughs> we'll save our pennies for uh, for Marion Gabrick so that, like, Dean can re-sign him. It all paid off. Yeah. And uh, Marion Gabrick was re-signed for $4.875 million a year. For seven years. For seven years. That's... Okay, I'm really delighted by the cap hit. That is awesome, but I was very surprised about that seven years. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I was too. That was the part that was unexpected. And I actually missed the original like shenanigans <laughs> around it because by the time I saw the news, the money was already out there as well. But I could tell from like back reading Twitter and I asked you about it yeah. even like when that seven years first there came out. There was literally only like three or maybe like five minutes between someone saying the Kings of Ink to deal with Gabrick, it's for seven years. <laughs> and when the actual number came out, but in those five minutes, the stress and the tweets being like, wait, what do you mean seven years? Wait for how much? Because <laughs> yeah, uh, we didn't think that it was going to be crazy. It's Dean Lombardi. I don't think there's going to be something too yeah. absurd. But uh, yeah, eventually we all sighed a sigh of relief and right. it was okay. It's not so bad. I think what also increased that panic is technically the first re-signing that happened was <laughs> with Matt Green and it was for four years for $2.5 And some people had some objections to that because same way, like first the years came out and it was like, oh, he's re-signed for four years. That's a lot of Matt what? Green. <laughs> That's a lot of Matt Green. <laughs> uh, and, but then the money turned out to be not that bad. And I don't, I mean, I personally would not have re-signed him for four years and maybe seven years is too long like that's the maximum amount of years that you can sign a ufa for for gabrick and he's already in his 30s but i think the other thing to keep in mind with dean lombardi is he's a guy who is really loyal to players and he also like marion gabrick did not sign a no movement clause or no trade clause and so i feel like with yeah. dean Lombardi, sometimes that extra year that seems kind of like maybe they shouldn't is a good faith kind of year. Like, no, you don't sign a no movement clause, but I'll try to give you some semblance of security so that even if we do trade you, you've got some years on your contract. Yeah, pay them in term and not necessarily in cap hit. And with a no trade or no movement clause not there, that allows Dean Lombardi the flexibility to trade them in the future. Right, yeah. And uh, with that low cap hit. True. So, And the other thing with Gabrick is even if he does play the next four years, he could retire, which I imagine they had to have talked about in some yeah. capacity. Like, if you don't play those last three years, he retires, and the Kings do not face any sort of cap recapture penalty that only applies to contracts signed before the new CBA. So, like, the Kings holding on to Mike Richards this offseason, which they came out, like, Dean Lombardi came out and said, all right, we're not going to buy him out. And so far, he hasn't traded him. It seems like they're going to give him another season to try to bounce back. That, in a way, is almost riskier than signing Gabrick for the deal that he did, because the Kings are less likely to sort of suffer from that monetarily. So that, all in all, very good. Mm -hmm. Very pleased with having Gabrick for another seven years, or yes. slightly less. Um, and of course, one thing, though, that signing Matt Green and keeping Mike Richards and signing Marion Gabrick means is that somebody does not get to stay. Matt Green being signed kind of already sort of told us that Willie Mitchell probably not coming back. And then eventually it did come out that, yes, he would be testing free agency and probably going to another team. He eventually signed with Florida for two years, 8.5 million, so 4.5, 4.25 per year. I I am sad to see Willie Mitchell go. I understand very sad. the decision, but I am very sad to see him leave the Kings. I'm glad that he's going to get paid because he 100% would not have made that sort of money in uh, in LA. So since his time was up, he won two cups. Mm -hmm. You know, fine, go hang out in Florida. Yeah. Make some money. In retirement and country. Retire, <laughs> in retirement country, exactly. But I also loved everyone being like, Willie Mitchell, there's no good food around yeah, around the BB&T Center. What are you going to yeah. do? What are you going to eat? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, from a business perspective, it makes total sense to let Willie Mitchell go. He is older. And when you look at who's sort of left to take his role, like Robin Regeer, like he's not the best defenseman. But if you look at their numbers, like Robin Regeer played more second pairing minutes more consistently than Willie Mitchell did during the regular season. Willie Mitchell played with Voinov, but also played a lot of third pairing minutes. The difference, I think, or the most notable difference from them is Willie Mitchell played more on like the penalty kill and was a really important part of the Kings penalty kill. Right. But they played a whole season without Willie Mitchell, so they've already proved that they can manage that without him. And then if you look at his playoff numbers, he had the worst possession numbers relative to teammates. Uh, Robin Regeer, of course, got injured, and Robin Regeer during the regular season had the worst possession numbers <laughs> relative to teammates. But I think so. It's overall, all kind of a wash, right? There. Yeah. Overall, I think Dean Lombardi was like, "Look, Robin Regeer is still under contract. You're older than he is. We're just gonna let Willie Mitchell go because I'm not paying him eight million dollars for two years." Yeah. Um, and we know, like last season, that worked out with like Rob Scuderi. He wanted four years. Dean Lombardi was like, "I'm not giving you four years, <laughs> old guy." And thank you for both of them for going to the East Coast. True. Yes, they also Scuderi flat out said, left. "Oh, there is no way I was gonna go to a West Coast team." And I was like, "Scuderi, yeah, hugs for you, stand up guys." And uh, William Mitchell goes back, hangs out with his old pal, Luongo. Pal Luongo. Mm-hmm. So true, yes. Yeah. So it, I think it worked out overall. Like I'm sad to see William Mitchell go. I do prefer him to Robin Regeer, and of course. emotionally, of course, really attached to William Mitchell. But I see how it makes sense for all parties involved that he move on from the Kings. Let us all go to one of William Mitchell's restaurant recommendations together. <laughs> yeah. Pour one out Just for celebrate him. Celebrate him. <laughs> go have a fancy dinner. Yeah. In his honor, hold your fork up to the sky. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm eating this, uh, you know, this piece of salmon for you, <laughs> right? Willie Mitchell. We'll have some sushi today, or maybe. Rough times, rough times. But I think of all the decisions that they could have made, probably the better one. Uh, Matt Green also, at this point, looks like he's going to be the seventh defenseman again. And to his credit also, like, he had been injured and sat out for most of last season. And he, I think progressed pretty well has progressed pretty real pretty well since coming back so i'm not mad at keeping matt green especially because it looks like he, they're not going to put him in a top four role yeah. um instead it looks like they are bringing guys around to kind of battle for slava voinov's hand <laughs> we were talking about how it's essentially going to be like the bachelorette yeah where defensemen will try out um, in order to get the role of Slava Voinov's defenseman partner. <laughs> yeah. So hand out pretty rose. Hand you get it, to stick around. Handing out roses to maybe Matt Green. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Matt Green. Possibly. Um, so Robin Regeer is around for another year, I assume. But like they've signed um, Jeff Schultz around. He's probably going right back in the back pocket of the team in case there's like injuries. I'm sure McNabb will get a shot on the roster the season as well and so it's just kind of like see who lasts the longest and does the best with Slava Voinov and maybe after Robin Regeer's contract is up that person will get to just have that role so the Kings are not in a bad place right now a little bit of a question mark but they like having battles in training camp not a huge uh, not not a ton of like large moves either it's kind of exactly what you expected you expected mm-hmm. Gabrick to be re-signed cool yep. you expected um 
a defenseman to leave. All right, that happened. Some smaller depth players to come in. It's exactly what happened. So no, no surprises, yeah. really, with what the Kings did. Yeah, and um, in accordance with those small moves, they brought in a couple other people, basically, I think, to scare Trevor Lewis and Kyle Clifford yep. in training camp. They signed Adam Cracknell, who was previously a Blues player. He is interesting in that, like, on paper, like, by himself, he's not very impressive. Like, he's clearly somebody that they brought in to be a bottom six sort of thing threat for guys who are on the bottom six right now like Kyle Clifford and Trevor Lewis and maybe Jordan Nolan if he stays around like these dudes who sort of jump around in the bottom play wing and some like Trevor Lewis sometimes play center and basically to get them to step their game up and be like look I know you just won like two Stanley Cups but don't get too comfortable because we would love to have wingers who produce goals. Cracknell though when he he didn't do that well this past season and he's never played like a full season I think with the Blues or anything like that but the year before during the shortened season when he was on that line with Reeves Ryan Reeves and uh, Porter that CPR line that was kind of laughable because why would you (laughs) call it that but him and Reeves together like they had a like a 57% Corsi 4 percentage which is pretty good it dovetailed when um, Reeves was taken away and they had uh, Lapierre and Porter and Cracknell on a line, but Lapierre is a bad possession player. So I think if you bring Cracknell, I, or I assume this is what the Kings are thinking, if you bring a player like that who, with the right line mates, really excels at possession game, um, is very physical and has a lot of energy and can sometimes produce goals, if you bring him into a system like the Kings have, then maybe he does give competition to somebody like a Kyle Clifford or whatever. Um, so he's there. They also got uh, da- David Vandergulik who played for the Avs and has not played very much at the NHL level. So he's around as well. I think he's a left wing. Um, and they both only signed for very cheap one-year deals. Cracknell for 600000 and Vander Gulick for five fifty k for a year. Um, so they're, yeah, just around in training camp, sort of battle for a spot. If they don't make it into the lineup, I assume they go to Manchester the way that Jeff Schultz did this past season. So, yeah, not big moves, but some moves to try to bring a little energy to training camp, and then maybe we see a surprise I don't know, but I'm not mad at any of that. It's yeah, like not mad stuff. at it. I don't really expect much from it. Mm-hmm. I like it as insurance. That's fine. Um, I enjoy uh, just on the, like a social level Cracknell's tweet or whatever it was about if you that can't if you can't beat him, join him. Loved that. Uh, coming from a Blues player, that's pretty charming. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I do enjoy that. Uh, well, Cracknell's making more, but. Uh, I'm going to call him Vanderbeek. I can never remember his name. <laughs> Vander Gulick. Vander Gulick. Okay, sure. Uh, is making the same amount of money as Martin Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them has a Stanley Cup, though. <laughs> Martin Jones is still making $550,000. Oh. I mean, that's fine. But handsome winner. <laughs> I just continue to think it's funny. So I saw somebody make a joke about free agency and everything that was basically like, basically implied that the Gabrick signing sort of changed the nature of free agency, which seemed true for the first deals that came out, but I don't know. But um, so but it made it me crazy. wonder, yeah, then it got insane. But it made me wonder, like, do you think the Gabrick signing and that he signed for less than $5 million maybe changed the dollar amount for some of the deals that were signed for people, like Brad Richards signing for a year and $2 million with the Chicago Blackhawks. Do you think any of those deals were sort of influenced by like, well, look, this guy just won a cup. He could have got paid bank and then took a massive pay cut because his cap hit was $7.5 million. And now he's being less than five. Like, do you think that influenced the market at all? I don't think so. 
I feel like as as much as we like to joke that Dean Lombardi is smarter than everyone <laughs> yeah. and that some of the GMs floating around uh, the NHL are crazy, I think everyone realizes that it is LA. True. LA has won, you know, two cups in three years now. Um, and it is obviously a good team. Everyone can see the players that they have there and that it's going to stay a good team for quite a while. And everyone understood the situation. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew that Marion Gabrick wanted a place to stay. He obviously fits very well uh, with L.A., fits very well with Kopitar, since he's had problems finding someone to center him, mm-hmm. you know, well like that. So I think everyone knew that that was going to be the case. And while maybe that was something that was brought up at one point, I don't think it affected the market too much because that's a special situation. I mean, they... This, from the second that Gabrick started coming in and uh, was producing as much as he was producing, everyone was like, he's going to take a pay cut. He's yeah. going to stay in L.A. It's kind of a done deal. So I feel like that was just like a separate entity. I think I could see if it influenced it in some way, but I think actually I sort of agree in that, if anything, it's probably more just indicative of the way that free agency signings are changing. Uh, I mean, because the other thing for a guy like... Brad Richards, or maybe like Christian Ehrhoff, who took like a one-year deal with the Penguins. The difference is like those guys got bought out of contracts, so they were already making a lot of money anyway, so they don't need necessarily huge, huge deals. Um, But I think, so what it is, is like, it's all indicative of these free agents who are like, I would rather go to teams that I think have a chance at winning, rather than necessarily always looking for how much they can get paid and being on a team that doesn't um, produce very much. The, the one year, try it out, let's see if I am the one piece that helps. Yeah. You know, if I can be that that uh, playmaker, that goal scorer for this team and, you know, win a cup, mm-hmm. then that's great. I think there's a lot more kind of like try out right. years. Yeah. Because I think that also happened with like a Ginla who Absolutely. liked it in Boston and they probably would have wanted to keep him. But instead he takes a three-year deal with Colorado who is, who made the playoffs, but who everybody thinks, you know, that was a pretty luck-driven season. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there's some stability there. It's a three-year contract. It's not just like this one-year deal laden with bonuses again. So I think guys, they do, They obviously everybody's sort of chasing an opportunity to win, but I think they're going more places that feel a little more comfortable and like they're on the right track necessarily than like, I'm going to sign with this totally shitty team because they're going to pay me like buku bucks. Um, but we'll talk about one of those later. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody has <laughs> subscribed to the new model yet. <laughs> some no. people are still trying to cash in. Uh, but some other guys, I think, have gotten the message <laughs> and are changing the way they approach something like free agency. Interesting thing, though, because, of course, once a team wins the Stanley Cup, everybody is like, all right, how can we approve our teams to compete with the champions. And so I've seen that manifest in a couple of ways with the Kings. First of all, being like the constant mentions now of like team chemistry and, you know, you have to have the right blend of guys and everything. Yeah, you to gotta love each, each other. other right? <laughs> yeah. You just gotta love each other and wanna play for each other. Like Doug Wilson cannot talk enough about how the Sharks and some players told me that they felt like co workers. <laughs> yeah, now everyone's like, you know, uh, you wanna have people who wanna play here with each other for each other. Right. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So lots of that. The other way I noticed is everybody was trying to find a depth center, yeah. another center to their lineup. That's well, I mean, this has always been a problem for 
the Blackhawks, or I mean, in recent years, it's been a problem for the Blackhawks trying to find that solid second line center. Mm-hmm. Um, Hansu's why. <laughs> uh, so in Brad Richards, that's obviously in response, both because the Kings were so deep down the center, but also because that's always been a problem for them. So that's yeah. another, that's one way that it's kind of manifested there. Uh-huh. And another, same for the Blues, who got Paul yep. Stastny. Which and, is an excellent pickup. Yeah, I loved excellent that pickup. signing for them. And they also picked up Yori Letero, who was in the KHL. And with them, it's sort of a little different because they had David Backus in that number one center role. They could keep him there and then run, like, Backus, Stastny, and this new kid, Joy Letera. Or they could put Stastny on the first line and move Backus to the wing if they want to do that. So, But I think clearly, like, that was something that they addressed as well. It's like, all right, we've gotten knocked out by champion teams for the last three seasons. We have to compete with them. Let's try to get some more center depth, some help oh, down the middle. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's a rough time for the St. Louis oh, Blues. Blues. <laughs> It's been a rough few years for them. So so seeing some of that, I think Colorado wanted to do the same thing, but now they've lost Paul Stastny. They, um, so it's a little up in the air for them a little bit. But with Jerome McGinley and a three-year deal, like yeah. I'm thinking of the veteran presence and how many young people they have on that team to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, encourage their growth. So that's not terrible. Yeah, true. If they're also realizing that, I mean, they know that they have a good team, but also that this was kind of a fluke. Right, right. So let's see if we can get some more legitimate people in there. Another team who picked up center depth, and I didn't really notice it as much in the Eastern Conference. That's the other thing about this free agency thing is it sort of made me realize all over again, a lot of people realize all over again, that the West is infinitely better (laughs) than the Eastern Conference and that big players want to come to Western teams. Yeah. Um, but another team in the West who made improvements down the center was Dallas, who had already made a bunch of changes the previous season by changing their center. I love Dallas. I'm I, so excited by that. We were on the on Jewelcast, mm-hmm. which everyone should also listen to, by the way, um, talking about how much I like the Dallas Stars, and I'm going to like them even more now because they've added Jason Spezza mm-hmm. to their, frankly ridiculous lineup. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I liked the moves that they made when they brought Sagan in and they brought Horkoff in and it was like, all right, let's try to get some guys who play center in here and change up the feel of this team. They did pretty well. Like, they made it to the playoffs. They, I thought they had a pretty good shot yeah. at taking the Ducks to seven games and knocking them out. But I think one thing that people saw is that at times it did really feel like, okay, that first line is producing for them. Right. Where did everybody else go? And so they bring in Jason Spezza and don't have to give up very much for him at all. Like, they give up one of their rookies and Alex Chase on. But then everything else is, like, two prospects and a pick. It's mm-hmm. not that bad to give up. And... What makes the Spezza deal even better is that then they signed Alex Hemsky, who yep. got traded from Edmonton to Ottawa, and in the games with Ottawa, mostly played with Spezza, and Hemsky put up 17 points in 20 games when he got traded to Ottawa. Ottawa obviously didn't do what people expected them to do this year, but for Hemsky, like that's not a bad way to go into a new team. And so now you've got the guy that he produced a lot with on his new team. So now you've got... Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan yes. tearing it up, and you're getting a pre-great like great pairing. <laughs> right. You already know they have some chemistry. Of Espeza and Hemschke. So That's pretty good. Stars are something to look out for, mm-hmm. I would think. Obviously, this is all on paper, and we never know yeah. how this is all going to turn out. But it's looking pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, the, stars. the risk for, with Spezza is that he has back issues. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all have injury issues? (laughs) 
So that might be the only thing is if he if that recurs again, back issues can be recurring for a lot of players. So he might get knocked out for a few games. But the thing is, like, that's fine. All you need is for him to help you get to the playoffs. Maybe he takes like 20 games out somewhere because he gets injured. As long as he's back again for the playoffs. Yeah, I think you can make a nice run of it. It's it's okay. And they made it to the playoffs without him last year. So I think the Stars will be all right. For a team that uh, it was the first time them making the playoffs in a very long time, and they did well, mm-hmm. um, these two like these two additions really gives them a nice little push to just be slightly, just more competitive. Yeah. You know, give them a chance to last a little longer in a very tough Western Conference. I agree. And I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, from... When you compare, like, a team like the Colorado Avalanche last year and the Dallas Stars, like, which team did you feel was more legitimate making it to the playoffs? Not the Avalanche. No. no. <laughs> so. I know, a lo- I know a lot of people like the Avalanche. The Avalanche are fine. I personally know a bunch of people from Colorado. Right, right. But, I mean, that was just luck. Yeah. Yeah, I think. That was luck. Everyone getting hot at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And um, even though, of course, we don't like him, Varlamov had like a great season. Yeah. And so you have a team that is not really great fundamentally, like with possession and whatnot, but they have a hot goaltender who like has a career year. And where have, have we heard that before? Yeah. <laughs> and you have a new rookie who like comes out and sets records with yeah. Nathan McKinnon. So, yeah. I mean, I think the Avalanche has some very interesting pieces, but. It like who they went from dead last in the league to one of the top teams in the league in a year, and they've made changes. But I think watching both of those teams, I would feel I'd put a little more stock at this point in Dallas than the Avalanche. Long term, so, it may be different, right? Right? You right. know, I, Avalanche need time. I don't think that they have they're like complete garbage. I think uh, it was luck this year, but they have all the pieces that they need mm-hmm. to not all the pieces, but enough pieces to kind of like work their way back into actually making it. I mean, more legitimately, right, in my yeah. opinion, uh, to the playoffs. But uh, I feel like the Dallas would go further quicker. Yeah, I agree. Than and, the Avalanche. And so I think because of that, that's why a signing like Spezza and, or a trade like Spezza and a signing like Hemsky makes it really exciting f- for what Dallas could do this upcoming season. I just want Hemshi to be accepted. Can he stop being shunned, <laughs> yeah. like, in the different markets that he goes to? Oh, poor Hemshi. Stars, just open your arms. Just love him. Love him. Accept him. He's good. I, I really He's like him. He's a good player. I really like him. So that's pretty, I, I mean, and then of course there were some bad things. Now here's the other thing. Like the Kings have not just influenced teams to get better, but they have influenced teams to make decisions that they think will make them better, but have actually made them worse. And yes, I am primarily talking about the San Jose Sharks. What have the San Jose Sharks done to their fourth line? It's bad. It's bad. You see a fourth line with, like, Trevor Lewis and Kyle Clifford and Mike Richards, and you think, you know who we need? John John Scott. Scott. (laughs) Why? Why? You don't need John Scott for anything. Hold up a falling door frame, sure. John Scott, hold this up. Other than that, for the game of hockey? No. Yeah, and Doug Wilson had this ridiculous quote that was, like, basically having John Scott on the ice will keep players from other teams honest quote-unquote, which, you know what? Good Lord. Who is on the ice with John Scott and, like, legitimately feels like he's a threat? Nobody in the Western Conference, because they're all faster than him. (laughs) 
Also, he's not going to be on the ice at the same time as like somebody like Tomash Hurdle, like the guy you're theoretically trying to have him protect. Right. So what is the point of having him there to put like Dustin Brown in check? You know what Dustin Brown's going to do? Skate around him. Because Dustin Brown can do that or <laughs> hit him. Yeah. Yeah. He may bounce off like he did against Marion Hosa, which is <laughs> so still funny true. to me. But, but he's durable. He'll get right back <laughs> But up. he'll get right back up. He'll try again. <laughs> yeah, so I don't understand the point of doing that. And they re-signed Mike Brown. They also traded for... I forgot about that. That's also <laughs> terrible. hilarious. Terrible. They also traded for time again from the Philadelphia Flyers. And then a few... Somebody posted, I think it was uh, Jen from Second City Hockey, actually, posted like um, the extra skater uh, comparable deployment chart where you could see all of their little dots and they're both like bright red or they're all three of them are like bright red (laughs) just terrible so what are you doing like you're like oh yes the kings like they what helped them win was this like pretty solid fourth line let's get guys who are completely useless also with the whole thing about them talking about you know we need to have a culture of like love and friendship and family and all of that everyone talking about like I don't know, like, all of the trade talk, Mm -hmm. all of the, like, this person has been terrible, they need to go, they're not clutch, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not helping your, you know, we love everyone, let's be friends mentality that's going on here. Like, that doesn't sound like a place that I want to No, that's the other thing is I'm like, are they signing these people and trying to, like, make it uncomfortable for guys like Joe Thorne? Like, I hate the way that this team is, like, the direction you're going in. So, yeah, maybe I will wave my trade clause and get out of here. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to work for them. Also, if I'm Joe Thorne, I'm, like, pissed off that another team is doing this to me. Like, first he kind of he got shipped yeah. out of Boston and there was, like, a smear campaign about him being just bad for that, like, locker room or whatever. Now it's happening again in the other direction. Like, your young people can't become leaders because Joe Thorne's personality is too big and also he doesn't love anybody enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just ridiculous. All of it is ridiculous. <laughs> what is happening with the San Jose Sharks? It makes it kind of bums me out. Like on on one hand, I find it hilarious because anything the Sharks do that's ridiculous is funny. But also, I really like watching the teams play other teams that are just as competitive. Like it's stressful to watch them play yeah. the Sharks in the playoffs. But we love watching King Sharks games. Yeah, they're great. They're two great teams, so it's great to watch them battle. I don't want the Sharks to actively make themselves shittier. And take away what's fun about that rivalry. Absolutely. I don't, I can't think of any other teams that are active, like, as actively trying to do something to compete with the Kings. I mean, like, the Flames have made some moves that are stupid, but it's mostly because Brian Burke is in charge right now. And, and because Brandon Bullock is not there. Yeah, well, yeah, he's truculent, <laughs> like Brian Burke likes. So that's why he's there. That's why they also signed Derek Engeland to that ridiculous contract. Speaking of ridiculous contracts, okay, Derek Engeland is stupid. Do you know who's also whose uh, contract is also stupid? Mm-hmm. Brooks Orpic. Yeah, that's why the worst. would you for that long for that much money? I don't understand why. Like what? <laughs> At least with Niskanen and that contract, his like seven year deal that's ridiculous. Is he just came off a great great year? So you kind of knew wherever he was going, he was gonna get paid a little more than probably was smart. Who's going to get yeah. a little extra time. There's, like, one of the assistant coaches there is somebody who coached him and helped him when he had, like, a down year or whatever. That's all fine. I understand it a little more. But Brooks Orpic had a terrible year. Yep. He didn't go in with any bargaining chips. So how did he come out with five years and five million dollars? Five plus million. How did that happen? How did you let him walk into a room and go, this is what I'm worth? And you're like... 
Let True. me let me sign this check right now. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that Just makes take no. It all. That's one of the most baffling ones. But then, of course, we can't talk about free agency without talking about Dave Bolin. Oh my god, that's so bad. You guys, him and Brooks Orpik have the same contract, and it's stupid for both people. <laughs> That's the the dumbest amount of money and the wrong amount of years for both of those people. I don't even know how Dave Boland became that overhyped. I don't either. He he was a depth guy for the Blackhawks. I Hawks. still I, that's what I was gonna say. I remember him being the rat, mm-hmm. the pesty guy that got under everyone's skin um, in the 2010 Blackhawks series. How did you get that money? How did you? Do I it? like the second he put on that maple leaf sweater, he was just like. This leader, this like great player, and now has five million dollars down in Florida. It doesn't make sense. Like even going to Toronto and like them overhyping him for whatever reason. Like then he got injured, so he hasn't played a full season. So how do you still command that much money without even having anything to really back it up? You scored the Stanley Cup winning goal. Great job for you. Chicago valued it so much that they were like, "Bye." Bye. (laughs) How do you get this much money from Florida? Well, I guess because Florida needs to, you know, get up to the cap floor. True. But still, I don't understand it at all. I'm really just really amazed. I forget exactly. It was for it was on the sporting news. I forget exactly who wrote it. Or maybe it was a hockey news. I think it was sporting news. Um, anyway, somebody wrote a great piece that was basically like looking at his three year numbers and who like had produced around the same amount as Dave Boland and his comparables for like the past three seasons or whatnot were Dale Weiss (laughs) (laughs) on the Montreal Canadiens Uh who had some okay moments during this past playoff run. He had some okay moments. He's not a star. And then the other person who was comparable to Dave Boland in production, Jordan Nolan, the King's extra forward. (laughs) He was scratched. For most of the Kings' playoff run. So that's your top six money-making Dave Bullen in Florida. I I mean, I don't want this to happen, but I want Jordan Nolan to go into some sort of salary, arbit- <laughs> salary arbitration being like, um, just slides a piece of paper over. Right. This is what Dave Bullen's making. <laughs> Five million dollars. He is my literal comparable. Yeah. Five million dollars. I have another Stanley Cup. What's up? That's the marketing chip you have just given Jordan Nolan. Jeez. That's crazy. That's amazing. Wait, no, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) So wonderful job, Florida Panthers, for doing that to yourselves. I think it's fine. Like, they also signed Sean Thornton or whatever, and so that's fine. Like, But Sean Thornton, not a good player. Willie Mitchell, probably too old to make that much money. But those are two-year contracts. They'll be gone. Like, I don't think the Florida Panthers are banking on winning the Stanley Cup in the next two years. That's okay. They have some veteran presence or whatever, and they've got a bunch of young people on that team, too. Fine. But that Bolin contract, like in three or four years, they could be a team who's in the playoffs. And you know who not who does not need to be on your top six at that time? <laughs> Dave Boland. Does Dave Boland have a no trade? Oh, I don't know. I, probably. That sounds like a thing that they would do. Why are you like this? I'm as silly as that one is. I am just more more deeply offended by the Orpic one. Oh, me too. Because that's just stupid. I don't see what the benefit is there. No, we just like him and we want him in the room. Also, how old is he? A million. I don't <laughs> He's about 10,000 years old. Yeah. <laughs> He's way too old to make that money. I think the Washington deals are way more ridiculous. But I found the Florida one hilarious because of the Jordan Nolan comparison. Because when you're looking at people who are comparable to your guy that you just signed to big money to be your star player, you're like, dude is on the level 
with Jordan Nolan, the Kings extra forward who could possibly be traded at some point because he's who who needs him at this point. Like you, Jordan Nolan, but really. We don't need you right now. <laughs> yeah, so free agency was actually quite exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was way better than last year. I yeah. had a, I had a good time. Had a good time watching everybody make crazy moves. It started out with a lot of good moves, and then it got ridiculous real fast. That's my favorite. That's my <laughs> absolute favorite. Beyond free agency, so not too much happened for the Kings during free agency, but of course the draft. Yeah. Uh, that had happened just a bit prior, and they picked up some nice pieces, I think. The Kings ended up with, they started with nine draft picks, which is crazy, including one in the first round, which they haven't in the last few years. Like, they went without a lot of first round picks because they had done so much better, with the exception, of course, of the 2012 draft where they had had the Tanner Pearson, Tanner Pearson. pick. Um, but this year, they have a first-round pick, they keep it, and they have picks at all of the other rounds. By the end of the draft, they had selected 10 players, which is crazy. That's a lot of players <laughs> for the Kings. So their first-round pick, what, and I don't think anybody had a whole lot of... Uh, they didn't, we didn't, nobody really had an idea of who they were going to pick Not up. Like, people made like some predictions, but there was no real rumors about who they were actually looking at. And the guy that they ended up choosing is Adrian Campe who has played in Sweden, mm-hmm. Moto, for the last few years. Pretty, doing pretty well yeah, out there. Absolutely. And is someone who I think is, I think is sort of made in the mold of Dustin Brown. Like a hardworking player, really physical player. He can score, but he's not like a pure scorer or anything like that. He's an older brother who was drafted by the Flyers a few years ago and who I think is actually still playing in, in Sweden now. Um, who seems delightful. From what I've yes. seen of his Twitter, because as, is... as all of these things happen, once a player is drafted, you're like, let me look at their Twitter and the yeah. Twitter of let their Let me siblings. find their baby pictures and yeah. also <laughs> see what's up. That's going to tell me lots of things about so this person. So they seem delightful. <laughs> so yeah, so um, he'll be part of development camp this coming week, and I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I'm, I want to know... I'm excited to have another non-large Canadian True, yeah. I was really excited <laughs> to see them not pick somebody from North America. I'm honestly just sitting here yelling diversity. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like last, they didn't have a first round pick last year, but the first pick that they made in the second round was Zikov, was a Russian. So right. good job to the Kings branching out in terms yes. of nationality. Yes. It, it is lovely. Um, and also, Kempe is not huge. Like, he's not tiny, but he's not a huge guy either. Yeah. So little variety in the picks there um probably though i mean as interesting as i think he is the most interesting move came on the second day for the kings when they traded lyndon vay goodbye bye lyndon vay i we woke had... up and he was gone uh, yeah exactly <laughs> we had so many hope damn that east coast news cycle um <laughs> yeah. also me liking to sleep i also don't have to wake up early for work so right. um yeah we woke up and lyndon vay gone I mean, there were, after the trade happened, and in some of the things introducing the guy, like, they, they traded to get, they traded him to the Canucks to get their 50th pick. And um, with that pick, they chose Roland Kewen from the Kings and Frontenacs. Defenseman, really good. Um, after, when they were sort of talking about the trade and then picking up Roland, they mentioned that Lyndon Vay had wanted, like, expressed to the Kings, like, look, I want an opportunity to play. I don't think he requested a trade, but he was wanting to play and was not adverse to the idea of being traded in order to get that chance. Right. So they traded him to the Canucks, so hopefully he'll crack that lineup. As I tweeted out, he once undressed Brad Richardson during a Kings-Canucks game. <laughs> now he can teach Brad Richardson how to do it, too. 
Let the, let former kings be successful on the Canucks. Yeah. Not too successful. Not too... Oh, I mean, it's the Canucks. <laughs> right. It's okay. Not too successful. But enjoy your time there, Linda Bay. I don't have any hard feelings. It's really unfortunate how you caught this tragic disease and how we'll be buried in Vancouver. The, well, the Canucks have Ryan Miller now. Rest in peace. That's not going to do anything. <laughs> but yeah. Sad to see you in the... Not the not really the frozen tundra of the North. We didn't ship you to Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, True. Or Winnipeg. Or Winnipeg. But still, it's the Canucks. But so. we watched a bunch of uh, McEwen's, um, what's it, highlights. Yeah. And they, he was pretty good. And I mean, he played with Sam Bennett. Yeah, a lot of time with Sam Bennett, who, of course, went really high. Yeah. Um, what is second or third? Second? I don't know. Second, I think. Shows how much we paid attention. Yeah, because we cared about those people. <laughs> no, we didn't because they weren't Kings players. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and then he also played a lot of time with someone that the Kings chose way down at the bottom. Yeah, I think, honestly, like, the most interesting pick yeah. that the Kings made during the draft was at number 209. Second to last pick. Spencer Watson, who was also on the Frontenacs and played a significant amount of time with Bennett and with McEwen. Uh, over 100 points. Mm-hmm. Good. A good player. Good. Like, before I was, like, back reading things, people were thinking, you know, top 90 was how he was going to go, and he dropped to 209. Yeah. And my 100% favorite thing, because I was like, I didn't know who Spencer Watson was, I looked him up, is um, the constant barrage, like, as you could see the time progressing throughout the second day of the draft, being like, you guys... Spencer Watson is still available. Yeah. And just a bunch of uh, just random Twitter people being like, hey, Leafs, will you draft Spencer Watson? Yeah. Uh, Mark Bergevan, will you... Like, Spencer Watson is still around. You should probably pick him up. Yeah, somebody take Spencer Watson, um, please. Someone take Spencer... <laughs> like, and it was literally a whole list of different teams. Mm-hmm. Like, these, these fans just being like, hey, my favorite team? Spencer Watson is still available. Will you pick him up? Um, and no one picked him up. And except for the Kings. Yeah. Second yeah. Last. And he might be a steal. Like like you said, point point producer. He like watching we watched highlights for him. We watched um after the draft somebody put up a shift by shift of one of the games that the Frontenacs played. Um his shot is so quick. Yeah, he's really fast. He's really good at controlling the puck yep. and maintaining possession of the puck. He's really good at that. Um similarly, like McEwen also Really, like, he plays down low so oh my gosh. often. I, we, like, forgot that he was a defenseman. Yeah. Because someone passed it to him, but he was in front of the net. I was like, wait. Yeah, he's like, this is where I'm just going to be. And then there's, like, there was a great, like, moment in one of the highlight things where he, he's, it, they're on the power play, I believe. And so he comes from the point, and you could see somebody go to try to cover him. Oh, but yeah, then they, the like, best. realize that he's, oh, he's a defenseman. He's probably going to stay either, like, by the half boards or up at the point where defensemen usually are. And he, like, continues to just, you know, backskate into the net. And then the puck comes to him. There's nobody there because nobody gives a shit that he's there. Yeah. And then, oh, it's in the net. They've scored a goal. Great job, McEwen. Great job. That was really great. <laughs> So I'm excited about both of those players, especially Watson, because of where they managed to pick him up. Like this, someone who seems to have a lot of promise, but dropped so far in the draft. The other thing, after like watching the Twitter timeline of people being like, yo, can you pick up Spencer Watson? The other best thing was realizing how the Kings ended up with those last two picks in the draft. The reason why they had pick number 209 is because of the trade with the New York Rangers where they sent... The Rangers Carcillo, they got a pick back, a seventh round pick, and at the time we all laughed, like that's all Carcillo is worth, like this bag this, of beans. Yeah. 
<laughs> and now it's the bag of beans is Spencer Watson, That's who great. has scored with like the number two draft pick. Yeah, a two lot. and second to last. Yeah. Played a lot so, together. That's pretty amazing. Over a hundred points. Mm-hmm. Way to pick up a value player for Carcillo. It's like another overtime goal against the New York Rangers, and the Kings have won the Stanley Cup again. <laughs> Wonderfully done. Just masterful. I love everything about it. Oh, that's pretty great. Um, <laughs> another thing. This is just a super random side note. I, I was as we all get older and. Everyone stays the same at the draft. Stays the same age. I'm just like, everyone looks so dweeby. Yeah. That's all we were looking at is how dweeby everyone looked. And I'm sorry. I mean, I know puberty happened. You know, I, I get it. But just, it's, it's so great. Funny. It's so <laughs> Or everyone's uh, draft photos. Yeah. So Always awkward. At least we're not quite like at the Matthew McConaughey. Like, oh, I yeah. just get older. They stay the same age. We're <laughs> no, not no, checking no. out these age no, girls. No, no. We're laughing at them. Yes. But like good naturedly. I'm very excited for these tiny children to become adults who play for my favorite hockey team. Please do well. Yes. Please. <laughs> so yeah, the draft I think was fun for Kings fans in that way because of those tidbits. Um, they also, like I said, had the last pick and they picked Jacob Middleton, 210th. So he is technically, as they like to call the last pick, Mr. Irrelevant. But, I mean, considering they pick up Spencer Watson at 209, you never know. Speaking of Mr. Irrelevant, he really needs to do something in the NHL because when I tried <laughs> to search Jacob Middleton, I just saw a bunch of criminals who also share his name. Yeah. One person, it, it's sad. It is sad, obviously. Someone who shot his, like, stepfather and his, like, baby sister. Yeah. Unfortunate. The so, stories are sad, but the, the stories fact are sad, that they the, all have the name Jacob Middleton. So someone else who like pulled into uh, a median to shoot up heroin and then like <laughs> oh, crashed no. his car and you know was arrested for <laughs> for drugs and what have you. Yeah, I need. Yeah, we need Jacob Middleton to <laughs> do well in hockey in his career just to reclaim that name. <laughs> so it is not a lot of weird things come up when you type shame. Jacob Middleton and nothing else. <laughs> Jacob Middleton, criminal. <laughs> we need him to do something better. So if if anything, just Mr. to improve irrelevant. the Google, yeah, the Google search results. Can you please not be irrelevant? Be relevant, please, Jacob, Jacob Middleton. Middleton. You got to figure out. Okay, look up SEO. <laughs> Maybe make a website. <laughs> do fix what this you problem. can, please. Yeah, that was pretty funny. (laughs) So uh, we were way more entertained by the draft than maybe we expected to be or that anybody ever expects (laughs) to be when it comes to the draft. Uh, I think the Kings ended up with some amusing situations and also some good picks, and I'm excited to see what they do with those picks. Um, Again, development camp this coming week. I'm going to try to go to at least one of the days. I went to one of the days last year, and check out some of these people in person, so I'll probably tweet about it. So keep your eye out for that. Of all the signings and all the draft picks and whatnot, are there any teams that you're either, like, the, well, I guess that you're more excited by? We talked a little bit about, like, the Stars, but other teams that you think... Honestly, it's really the Stars for me. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the Stars. I've always liked listening to their broadcasts, both uh, for the radio and TV, just because it's fun to listen to. I've always, not, I mean, obviously not always, but with recent developments, I've liked watching them play and watching them grow. And so, with the addition of Spezza and Hemschke, I want to see—I want to see them do some serious work. Yeah. Um, and I'm very excited to see how that that turns out. Um, I'm excited to see the Blues. I mean, I know we keep talking about how the Blues are just like one person away, yeah, like a couple of moves away from being a serious contender uh, in the playoffs, and maybe Stasny is it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So that's going to be interesting to see there as well. 
One thing I'm not really afraid about is seeing Ryan Kessler no. in Anaheim. I'm glad that I can still hate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think the Stars and the Blues are kind of my, my number ones right now. I, I would agree with those. I think I think a lot of people like sort of making fun of the Blues' shortcomings or whatever, but um, I understood why they made the trade for Ryan Miller. I even said, I was like, look, if he stays as good as he had been in Buffalo... Yeah. They had a real shot. He didn't stay no. <laughs> as effective as he was Buffalo and completely let them down in the playoffs. But I think this move with, you know, bringing in Paul Stastny or whatever, like, I think Paul Stastny is making too much money. But I think for the Blues, like, they didn't pay him a whole lot more than what he was making. Yeah. And they didn't sign him for seven years. So they've got a little bit of flexibility. Like, he could be good for four more seasons. And especially if they're, as I assume, looking to try to go deep in the playoffs finally in the next couple seasons or even this next year maybe that's what they need is someone like Paul Stastny and again like I, I am very interested to see how this kid Yuri Laterra who's been overseas like what he does when he comes and adjusts to the NHL like he could be pretty good too um so I'm interested to see what the Blues do I am very I had a lot of fun watching the Dallas Stars this past season so I want them to do well I want that Hemsky and um, Spesso, those pickups to work out for them. A team that I'm probably excited about in the East is the Islanders. I think they they picked up Kuhlman and uh, Grabowski, who mm-hmm. I think are two players who have seen their production go down, but I think on that team, obviously, your top line is Tavares and Oposo or whatever, so they don't need to be like your number one guys. Yeah. And maybe if they play on a third line or something and have sheltered zone stars maybe those gold like that production picks up again for both of those players and they seem to really like each other and they've got a new system so i'm excited for that and i don't remember exactly who the islanders who they've signed but now that the like nabokov like that era is over for them with (laughs) goaltending yeah they might see an improvement there their defense is not great but it's fine if but if they manage to pick up another defenseman who's pretty good i think they could be an interesting team to watch they can make it back to the playoffs i think uh, Tampa Bay, it was sad that oh, they true. got swept um, at the beginning there, but they were the ones who picked up Nabokov in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, but I, I kind of want to see what happens there mm-hmm. with them. Um, they picked with up... Bishop Healthy. Right, yeah. With Bishop Healthy, um, they picked up Brian Boyle or whatever. Boyle, yeah. I don't hate their moves. They also They did have that weird thing... That overnight thing where it was like suddenly Sam Gagne no longer an Oiler now part of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh wait, and then like an hour later, Sam I... Gagne Phoenix Coyote. Um, excuse me, I think you mean Arizona Coyote. Oh yes, sorry, <laughs> I forgot that that's where we're. Let's at be now. respectful to that organization. <laughs> oh, the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, I'm sorry, Sam Gagne, that I will now from. Here on, I like, oh, I like not pay attention Kanye. to a single game that you play. Yeah, I do not care to see another Coyotes game. Nope, I avoid I them as much as possible. I will see you for the five times that the Kings play the Coyotes, and oh, yeah. not a stitch more, <laughs> because you won't be playing anymore. You're not going to go to the playoffs, and because I'm not going to watch any other the Coyotes, Coyotes with games. their stupid burgundy jerseys. That's the they're it's so boring. I'm sorry, but yeah, unfortunate for you. I hope you, good, good luck. I'm never going to watch you play. Another person that I'm just kind of interesting to see how he turns out personally is James Neal. Oh, right. He yeah. is now a Pred. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget that the Predators exist. Often. True. Which might change. I mean, now they don't have, like, Barry Trotz anymore, so that mm-hmm. system is going to change. It might be. And they've got a person like James Neal who is still 
a goal scorer, maybe the I don't identity. think he's going to be like an absolute game changer and like single-handedly bring the um, <laughs> national no, Predators No, because Evgeny Malkin did not come over in that trade. Exactly. So uh, that'll be interesting to see what kind of effect he has mm-hmm. on that team. Good if, point. If any. Yeah. Or to see how they play around him, perhaps. How he plays with Shea Weber. Yeah. I don't know. To that same end, I'm curious. I mean, I don't I don't have any opinions on what I think they'll do now, but I'm very curious to see what happens with the Penguins, who yeah. have changed a lot of their players out already, especially depth players. And they picked up, like, Christian Ehrhoff on defense, who I think is really good. That's, ex- that's an excellent pickup for them. And One year. Yeah, for a year. Try it so, out. So, not bad. And he's a good defenseman. I'll be interested to see if they keep, like, Paul Martin. Like, they've, like Rutherford has said, yes, he's probably going to stay around. But it also seems like when you pick up a guy like Ehrhoff, you don't necessarily need Paul Martin if you're hoping to get some more of your younger defensemen in. So it's not just, like, Olimata. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they kept uh, Marcel Gotch, and they picked up, like, Steve Downey, who was kind of a thug. He likes to fight, but as a possession guy, when he's on a good, like, the right combination of players, he's pretty good. So I think they're sort of in an interesting, like, place where they've set up tryout players, you know, like, not very long deals, not very expensive deals, and it'll be interesting to see how they remold that team. So I think some some interesting things happening in the East. They're still nowhere near as stacked as the West. No, not at all. One thing I did see was like Jason Lewis wrote a piece where he mentioned that the West has 32 of the top 60 scorers from last season. Um, just in terms of points, not just goals scored, but like top 60 point earners mm-hmm. <laughs> in the National Hockey League. 32 of them are now in the Western Conference. So we got a two two player advantage there. The West is. Just ridiculous. <laughs> and I mean, the Western Conference was already stacked without having like more players, like people like again, let come over. <laughs> so now you've got those people in the Western Conference as well. Yeah. It's just crazier. But I think there are some interesting things happening in the East. I think I am most excited, though, like you said, about Dallas, about the Blues. And I would, of course, add the Islanders to that because I'm very curious to see what they do. Are there any teams in the Pacific Division, or I guess in the Western Conference, because the Central Division, like we mentioned with the Blues and the Stars, and they've stacked up a lot. If the Jets ever figure out their fucking goaltending or realize that Pavlik is bad, they could improve as well. They won't. Tell go. me again how much Pavlik is making. Three point something billion. Never mind. Why would you ever tell me that? Way more than he should be making. So are there any teams in the division or just in the Western Conference that make you worried for the Kings or who you think will be now a bigger competition for them? Um, I'm never going to discount, as much as we just laughed about the Sharks, I'm not going to discount them. No. Especially still, if they don't trade Thornton. Yeah, they're still a great team. I guess the Stars, the Blue, it's everyone that we've talked about. The Blackhawks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still like to see them fail and also Brad Richards fail. Same. So... Am I scared? Maybe. You know, maybe they come back with a little bit more fight. Yeah. Um, but I don't... I'm not particularly... Once again, I, I said this in the last podcast, too. I said that in other podcasts uh, that we've been on. I'm just still riding this Stanley Cup high. I think they've made... they Not that they haven't... They needed to overreact at all, but there weren't any big moves. Yeah. You know, they found what works. They didn't have to dump a ton of people. They didn't have to rearrange too much, so I think the Kings are very solid, and it's not so much indicative of other teams, you know, getting the players to make them scary or make them more competitive. It's just that I'm feeling really confident about how the Kings are, Mm -hmm. about the Kings team, about how they're playing, and that's nothing to say that other teams aren't good, aren't scary, aren't going to be a threat. It's just that I feel really good about the fact that the Kings can handle it. 
Same. I think I think it'll be what that's part of what will make this season very interesting because it's kind of like is the security that we feel in this team being able to pull anything out? Like at this point, we've seen them go through the playoffs and completely dominate people, so you know they're capable of that. Mm-hmm. And now we've seen them come in to like they those first two series they came in lazy and sloppy and yeah it. it bit them in the ass in the shark series but in the duck series they still won those first two games and then they still pulled off the seven game series they played a team like the blackhawks and managed to get a 3-1 lead on them and then not fuck it up in game seven it and then they like pretty much i mean the game seemed close against the rangers but the kings came out on the winning side of them and with the exception of maybe game um three actually which is the one they got the shutout in yeah they played really well and probably better than the rangers i thought and because of that, it's like, all right, well, they can clearly handle any situation. So I think this next season will be very interesting to see if that remains true for this team. And because of that right now, I'm like, I don't care how any of these teams improve. The Kings are really good at finding a way to win anyway, with the exception of the Western Conference Final where they were injured a bunch and therefore couldn't keep up um, pace with the Blackhawks. And even in that series at um, 5v5, the shots were one apart. Like, the Kings had one less shot on goal than the Blackhawks. Right. That's all. <laughs> so even then, they, they could have come out pretty strong in that series. So because of that, it's like, yeah, I'm not that worried. I don't, I'm, with this Kings team, we're in a privileged place of being like, I don't have to worry until we have to worry. So cool. Everybody improve. I'd love to see them compete. And, hopefully and even they going on through the season, regular season, how many five-game losing streaks did we see? Yeah. Way more than I liked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and it turned out all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. Like, we, I think our the Kings fan base at this point has gotten pretty accustomed to the fact that we don't expect them to win a president's trophy. No. <laughs> as long as they could make it to the playoffs and then compete really well in the playoffs. So it's like, I'm, I don't give a shit if, like, the <laughs> St. Louis Blues have more points in the regular season. That's totally fine. <laughs> we don't need them to have home ice? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> what does that matter? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm actually more excited because I would like to see how the Kings respond to teams that have theoretically improved um, and made moves to get stronger. So I'd like to see Gabrick play in a full season. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about seeing Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli play full seasons yes. with the Kings. Yeah, so I'm just happy. It's an exciting time. What a great season it's going to be. We're in such a privileged place. Yeah. So watch us change our tune completely when they have a horrible preseason. Yeah. Everyone just make a note of this particular podcast and how, like, optimistic and happy and just like, yeah, king. So excited. (laughs) Um, So when we're just, like, dumping on them. True. uh, Come, I don't know, let's say November. (laughs) Yeah. When it's like, why haven't you won? Why are we back to the centers not scoring any goals until the end of October? Once Robin Morgier has made, like, three own goals. Oh, no. But yeah, right now it's good. I'm excited. I, I've it's all enjoyed, sunshine and daisies right yeah, now. I've enjoyed the draft. I've enjoyed free agency. I enjoyed that the Kings did not make any splashy moves during free agency. And I am excited to see how these people battle it out for extra spots on the roster, like that extra forward position and which defensemen step up during training camp. It's good to be a Kings fan right now. It is good to be a Kings fan right now. And also, they're still the defending champions. So that's Yeah, they're still, we still get to watch the summer of them, like, eating ice cream out of the cup. <laughs> yeah. Great move, Tyler Toffoli. Solid choice. Excellent choice. I saw multiple <laughs> ice creams. Smart. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. So let's just continue to enjoy this, people. Um, thanks for listening to us. It was good to catch up with everybody. 
And uh, we will, of course, continue to be around Twitter and whatnot. We may or may not record another summer episode, or we might just wait till preseason starts. Whatever. Thanks again. Until next time, whenever that may be, take care of yourselves and continue enjoying being a Kings fan. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.